0: Just look at the fucking bums you hang around with. Uh, What is nothing? Yeah, that's deep. What in the fuck are we doing here? What is something? That's deep, bro. To that zebra, I'm your host, Christina P. Thank you for downloading this episode of the zebra. I no longer do uh YouTube because I'm <coughs> I'm five months pregnant, and god damn it, the thought of putting makeup on twice a week um, and having cameras on me is just like the worst, you know. You know, uh, because you're not, I'm not, look, I'm not one of those cute pregnant ladies, I'm not one of those petite little things that. All that happens is I get like a slight, or just a little bump, <laughs> just a tiny little thing. Um, I get gargantuan. My tits go from quadruple D's to, you know, quadruple G's. I just, I get porky. I am just, I'm sweaty and I'm hot and nothing fits. And uh, I'm just going to tap out a video as much as possible for now. God, I wish I was, I, you know, I follow um, Alec Baldwin's wife on Instagram. Oh God, I just burped in my own mouth. And, uh, you know, she's, she's really in shape. I think she's like a gymnast and um, she's like, you know, eight months pregnant and she's doing leg lifts and all this horse shit. And she's, she's got this, the tiniest little bump and she's totally skinny, like totally retardedly 90 pounds thin. And she's like, you know, I just know that it's inevitable. I'm going to get cellulite with pregnancy. I'm going to gain weight. It's like, Where? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'm a beast. So anyways, that's why I'm not doing uh, videos right now. So anyway, okay, I'm going to announce some dates, March 30th and 31st. Portland, Oregon, Helium Comedy Club. Those tickets are rolling. We already sold out the Saturday early show. Um So yeah, get on it if you want to come to that because it's already selling out a month out. So that's um, yeah, it's good. It's exciting. It means the shows are going to be ridiculously fun. And then I added April 29th, San Francisco, California, Cobb's Comedy Club, one show only as well. May 4th, Huntington Beach at the Rec Room Comedy Club. Um, I started it in Huntington Beach at a place called Martini Blues, which no longer exists, I think, because rats ate it. But that's where I did a lot of my, uh, you know, young open mic, or Christina was down in Huntington all the time. And then May 9th, Oxnard, California, at the Oxnard Levity Live. So get your tickets at Christina P. Online, Amazon Shopping, do that through that steep click on the banner, bleep, blow, blah, blue, bleep, blow, bloopity bloops, and that's it. I'll get into it in a minute here. Let's do it. You know, I um, I used to love this song when I was a teenager, and I just kind of found it again. It's uh, it's by a band called The Members. I think it's a British, English, English, English band. I've become an Anglophile again, and I was in my twenties, a big Anglophile when I went to go study abroad, and now I'm back to just loving everything English. I found this silly show on netflix about people that live in castles and you wouldn't believe the amount of upkeep on a castle well hold on a sec i gotta find the darn anyway i'll talk more about castles um after we do this song i mm-hmm. This is the, sound of the Sabbath Yeah, 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 yeah. It's an old ass band called the Members. I got a VHS tape when I was like thirteen years old and it was all these punk rock bands from the UK. And I remember fucking flipping my lid and being like, Oh, I should have been born in England. I should have been born. Uh, when Margaret Thatcher was, um, was prime minister and everybody hated her and I could dye my hair blue and have a mohawk and live, uh, and live with Joe, Joe Strummer and, um, and, and squat somewhere and like hang out with the sex pistols and Susie Sue. And I just love it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) I was born 10 years too late. I think I feel like emotionally I was, I'm, I'm, I'm more a jet Xer than fucking, I'm, I'm at the tail end of X and I should have been like a hardcore Xer. anyways, I'm very much into uh, this castle show on Netflix. I found. I wish I could remember the name of it, but it's basically uh, people who who own and maintain castles. And as a fan of, you know, the Downton Abbeys and and every all things English, I fucking love all the royalty shows. You guys know that who listen to me. Uh, you're like, yeah, I lo- I, I've wanted to have a castle since I was goth and like 13, and then um, and then you see how much upkeep goes into owning a castle. And you're like, nah. I think I'll stick with my shitty palatial suburban sort of nonsense because, I mean, okay, so what they do nowadays is uh, they're called, fuck, there's a baroness and the baronet, I believe, is the male equivalent of a baroness. And the baronet, these days, they rent out the castle to the public gasp. So that the commoners can feel like the aristocrats, the aristocracy, for one night. That's the whole point. Is that the once lowly peasants, us lowly, lowly working class folk, can uh, can enjoy the aristocracy's life for one night? And uh, there's one that I lo- it's what's it called? Manselm, Man- Man- Mansens, Mansel, Man- Mansel, Mansel Castle. You want to know how much it costs to stay at Mansell for one night? 10,000 pounds. Now, I don't know what the equivalent is. Let's see what 10,000 pounds is. Fuck. Ten, 10 How many zeros in 10,000? <laughs> oh, to, to dollars, let's see. I, I mean, it's probably we're talking about $13,898. So, almost 14 grand, right? Uh to sleep in a castle for a night with you and like a hundred of your friends. Uh, So the guy goes, uh, the interviewer goes, well, how do you feel about strangers sleeping in your castle? And he goes, well, I love it. I love it because they help pay for the electricity bill, which is about 40,000 pounds a month. I was like, what, bro? 40,000, not the electricity, sorry, the heating bill alone in a castle is 40,000 thousand pounds. That is a fucking fortune. So these folks are thrilled that us commoners um want to spend the night in the castles. And I love castles. I've I've wanted to have one. Uh, I was thinking more of like Romania or Hungary where my my family's from. I don't know. It's so it's so dark though. Uh but heating them, holy shit, and and keeping the grounds maintained and You know, and they're all eccentric, too, these baronets that run those castles. One of them is very touchy-feely with all the clientele that stay there. And it's so funny because you see them, uh, you see him giving tours, and he's, like, clearly molesting and inappropriately touching. I'm not saying, like, her tits or nothing, but uh, just, like grabbing their shoulders and and talking to them closely and, you know, have you ever seen a garden like this before? And then she's like, no, of course not. I live in, you know, Pemberley or whatever. (laughs) I live in Coxwell and I don't have this down in Camden. And, And then he's like, well, we have a luxurious garden. And it's so, it's so, it's so fantastic. But then you start to think as Americans, like, Our history is what, 200 years old? Like just fucking nothing, nothing. And these castles, these castles were around in oh, you know, 1200, 1300, um, you know, kings, queens, the amount of history behind structures in, in, you know, in Europe and stuff. And we Americans, we think that, I mean, shit, I'm excited when like a strip mall stays up beyond 10 years i'm like wow that's been there since uh you know 2005 wow that thing's here to stay that is that's an old starbucks over here this right here so pretty pretty amazing shit um to, to live in a castle. I will, I will not be purchasing a castle anytime soon. Isn't that amazing? I guess back in Downton days, they would hire an entire staff and, and you would employ those people. They would live there. They would, you know, make a living. And, and I, I still don't know how they would make, I guess they would rent out land or something. These, these, these lords that own these castles or I guess they owned people. Is that what they did? I think they just owned slaves. Is that, I don't know. <laughs> no, I just got to know they didn't own slaves. Uh, but fascinating shit, fascinating shit. And, you know, we are the, the cousins of the English, so I love it. I, love, I, would, I would go there more if it weren't for the, uh, the lack of sunlight in the winter. That really bummed me out when I lived there, and they, they used to paint our, they paint the dormitories of the American kids uh, yellow when I, when I lived at Oxford for one year, one, two semesters, you know what I mean. And uh, yeah. that doesn't help just painting your room yellow kind of makes you crazier because you're like I feel sad inside but my walls are happy on the outside (laughs) I'm gonna get drunk and sit in my room like you know no so there but I did learn to drink when I lived in England that was awesome uh you know you know because you have to learn how to drink alcohol that is a learned skill um and, you know, something that you must do in your 20s, uh, you got to get out of your system in your 20s so that you calm the fuck down as an adult. But, you know, the key is to eat. You got to eat. You got to eat before you go out boozing. That's the one piece of advice uh, my father gave me, very good advice. If you're going to drink, you have to eat before. And something very greasy, very uh, heavy foods and a England's got a lot of that, at least in the nineties, they did, you know, sausages, potatoes, <sighs> crisps. You can get those in the pubs. And I, the first time I landed in England, I, when I was uh, 20 years old and I was so excited that I could drink illegal, legally there. Cause I think the the age is 18. First thing I did, I put my bags down and I just ran to the local pub. This is, I didn't even have a friend with me. I was like 20 and just so excited to be drinking. Put my bags down in Oxford where I was staying. And then I ran to a pub. I think it was called the Queen's Head. I don't know if it still exists. And Wait a minute. There's like 5,000 Queen's Heads. What am I talking about? That's They're all named the same thing. And I sat down and I ordered a pint of cider, of apple cider. And if you've ever had English apple cider, it just tastes like apple soda. And you're like, there's no alcohol in this. This tastes fine. And uh, I chugged that one and I ordered a second one. And of course I hadn't slept because I was jet lagged and I hadn't eaten. And I drank it down to second one. And back then I weighed maybe, oh, you know, 115. And I got so ripped, dude. Because cider is actually the high percentage of alcohol. I don't remember the percent of maybe 15, 13%, which is Excuse me, pretty high. And I had to go to orientation for my school year and I was so fucking sloshed. And I remember just like trying to hold it together, which is even worse when you're drunk, like to try to look like you're together. He <laughs> you expends so much more energy. Uh, yeah. Like Tom and I were talking about it yesterday that when you're high, you know, you think everybody knows you're high, but not really, not really, but it's all in your mind. That's where the paranoia kicks in, right? Most people aren't even looking at you, but yeah, that's how I learned to drink a year abroad in England. So thank you. Uh, that was my Oxford education, getting drunk every day. What else? Um, okay. So let's get a little bit deep on it, bros. I fucking, listen, I tried to stop watching this as us. I tried. I looked away. I gave myself a week or two off. And then, you know, it's nine o'clock. The kid is asleep and I'm looking at my goddamn iTunes and I'm like, I got to go back. Cause I like, I like the love story between, um, Jack and Mandy Moore. I like Jack. I like, he's so handsome and I like how he talks out of the corner of his mouth. He's got that kind of quacking like So American, right? So like just, he's apple pie. He's great. He's just great. I love Jack. Anyways, uh, great line in the show last night. He said you've got to take the life. He goes, I want to take the life I'm supposed to have instead of waiting for it to show up. And that sounds really trite, right? I mean, how many times have we heard that that you got to you got to make things happen. You got to take life by the horn. Ba 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 ba. And uh, he he was saying this in reference. He was a young man in this episode, and he was trying to make some money to get out of his parents' house and start a business, and you know all this stuff, which is you know what everybody fucking at some point has to do. Uh, and and uh, and then he says this to his friend, right? Like, hey man, you know, there's a point in, in every human's life where you're like, I feel like I'm waiting for stuff to happen. Am I waiting for shit to happen, or am I actually taking steps to make things happen? And, um, I will say thankfully, and I've been really fortunate that I've married a very nice man, a really nice guy who I really like being around. And I really, um, I have, I think I enjoy my life very much. And I will tell you (laughs) that I've actively worked (laughs) to make this life a good life and, and my marriage, a good marriage. And I, it's because I pay fucking attention to it all folks. It's not that things just happen, uh, to me, or to any—I don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe to some lucky fuckers, it just happens to. But as far as I know, uh, the people that I've always looked up to—successful uh, people and successful—not just monetarily, but in relationships and in life—I'm not, I'm not great at everything, by the way. There's some shit that I really suck at, and I really need to work on. Um, but overall, but overall, I'd say it's because I've I've tended my castle garden so to speak. I've tended my garden and I've, uh, I've been active in doing and pursuing and envisioning the things I've, I've wanted to have in my life. You know, I, I always knew, uh, from the time I had seen Roseanne, I wanted to marry John Goodman. I knew that I wanted a guy like that. I wanted the Jack. I wanted the, I wanted a good guy. I didn't want a fucking shit hound, shit heel, who stays out all night and cheats on me and, and is like a crappy dad. I knew I wanted a good man. So my, my tuner was tuned to finding a good man is what I'm trying to say. Right. Uh, career stuff, obviously tunnel vision, right. Uh, maybe to the detriment of my own health and well being, but, <laughs> uh, and I'll, you know, a whole, in every area, let's just say, um, And I think that's so important that the idea of actively creating one's life, one's self, of actively controlling one's mind, one's thoughts, one's way of being, it's like they don't fucking teach you this in school. And it's like the one class, first of all, there just needs to be a class on um, how to balance your checkbook, how to change the oil in your car, how to uh, find a life partner, how to sew a button onto a shirt, how to cook. Um, All these things that they, you just, nobody fucking tells you. I and mean, if you don't have parents that do this, it's really, it's really hard. And this is what like successful people teach their children, by the way. Um, this is like what the upper class teach their fucking kids is that, you know, they teach them how to be successful and make money and do this and that. And, and I think that, um, I kind of wish someone had told me that earlier that like shit doesn't just happen to you. Like I said, occasionally, and even if it does, okay, let's say you get handed an opportunity. If you're not in the right space of like, oh, that is the thing that I want to be doing. How fortuitous, how wonderful that I might reach out and take it. This butterfly that's landed on my shoulder, this is this is the butterfly. Hey, and you recognize it. Well, that's because you're tuned to recognizing the butterfly and the thing that you want. But if you're not even thinking, if you're not even envisioning, the the thing that you want, the person you want to become, the things that you want to have, um, then you'll not even recognize it. And that's when I think I've seen so many people get hung up and stuck and, you know, they have really good intentions and then you, you, they think, oh, I want to do this or that, and then um, instead get caught up in the old patterns, <clears throat> the old habits, the the things that hold them behind, back, right? So... I think too to dare to dare to dream the dreams dreamers right, with like the Willy Wonka it sounds so corny it's so fucking corny, but I think um I have to tell you that you know honestly, I would say ten years ago, fifteen years ago, when I had the audacity uh to become a comedian against the wish of my parents against the uh meaning well meaning advice of others right against the against the reason really i mean it's so stupid to want to be a comedian it's like possibly the it's like harder than being a rock star it, the the odds are so <laughs> stacked against you and i i don't even know i don't even know how i dreamed that impossible dream right of like i'm going to fucking do this i'm i'm just going to do this and, and i think really it boiled down to me failing at everything else and not wanting to do anything else i didn't want to do anything else i wasn't good at anything else I suck at everything else. I'm fucking terrible at it. And I just knew that I had this thing I wanted and, and I I don't know. And then there's a time I think where all people have to have the audacity to dream big, right? You have to have the, the, and it's not, it's not, it's not being, um, it's not tooting your own horn or it's not being, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not narcissistic or, um, it's not having a huge irrational ego, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about that. Cause I know those people too. They're like, I'm the shit. I'm going to be the best in the world. It's like, okay, well, well I, I guess I don't need to be the best. I just need to be like, I want to be my personal best, but I, I don't need to be Tom Cruise here or, or, you know, you know what I'm saying? Anyways, I think a lot of us feel like we're being arrogant pricks if we're like, hey, I'd like to do this or that. And I'd like to be really good at it. And I'd like to make a lot of money. And I'd like to live a good life. And I'd like to have a dog. And I would like to, you know, dress in these clothes. And I would like to have this type of car. And I think so many of us are raised feeling that we don't deserve that stuff for some reason. I don't know why, you know, this is not to blame people or blame our our upbringings or whatever. But, you know, that I'm telling you that most of us are raised to believe we don't deserve. We're not you know, that's for somebody else. That's not for me. Yeah, but that's, that's someone else's thing that that person deserved that they're better than me. And that's an unconscious thing, by the way, I don't think anybody, maybe some people have the good fortune of it being a conscious thought of that person's better than me. I, I don't think I it was conscious for me for a long time. Um, cause I know so many people, so many talented people that are doing so many amazing things and you go, well, what? What, what's the difference between that person and, and the person like, who's super, super, super successful? And really, I think it's the audacity to, be, to believe in one's own uh, product. The audacity to say, yeah, I, I want to do that too, and I'm going to fucking live in a castle. <laughs> right? What's the difference between you and that other guy? Nothing, man. I mean, talent, yeah, okay, you have to have some kind of fucking talent. I'm not saying... You know, there's some shit you're not going to be able to do. Are you going to be an astronaut? Probably not. That's for like five people. Five people on the planet get to do that. But hey, if you've got the aptitude, if you've got some skill, that's like half the battle. The other half is getting out of your own way. Taking opportunities and having the audacity and the the courage to do all this stuff. Anyway, all right, enough, enough, enough. Let's get into some... uh, into some emails but first our theme song you want to know why you're all fucked up okay this comes in from a girl let's just call her m m she says over the past two years of an eight-year friendship i got my entire life and develop a stronger sense of self through therapy daily yoga practice and leading a more mindful existence well, this increased self-awareness improved most of my relationships. It shined a spotlight on the intrinsic differences between my friend Kay and I. I am an INTJ, Myers-Briggs personality type, while Kay is an ESFP, the exact opposite of me. So for those of you who don't know what that is, the Myers-Briggs, the psychological uh, test you can take online. And, and I think it's very helpful for people who kind of are like, who am I? What do I want to be? What's a good job for me? What's a good... Uh, what are some, yeah, it's actually really good for career stuff. If you're on, if you're like, I don't know, I don't even know what I am. I don't know what I'm good at. Take them. It's called Myers Briggs, M E Y E R S, uh, hyphen B R I G G S personality tests are free online and it'll give you a list of, um, careers that would be suitable for your personality type. Okay. And also Enneagram, Enneagram, E N, fuck. E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M-S, Enneagrams. Uh, they tell you more about your personality because I think for a lot of us, especially when you're younger, you don't really know yourself, and these, these things kind of help point you in the right direction. Okay, but back to back to M. Okay, she writes, Throughout our friendship, there were countless times in which we simply didn't understand each other's behavior and viewpoints, but it always resolved itself over time, and we moved on. Up until recently, I had the patience to look past our differences, But her emotion-driven behavior, combative responses to criticism, and unapologetic, unapologetic attitude have finally taken its toll on our friendship. When I've tried expressing my concern to her in the past, she became defensive, critical, and downright uncivilized. She's lost several friends in the past because of this behavior, and I've added myself to that roster. I recently sent her a letter explaining my feelings, pointing out our differences, and stating it's best to go our separate ways. As expected, the reaction has been hostile despite the sincere and respectful tone of my letter. Her main point of contention is the timing of this letter. Is there a right time to end a friendship? Based on our combative interactions in the past, is it even worth discussing this in person? Much love, no hate, m okay. Um I have to tell you that what's a really big <laughs> a big red flag? Um, for me anyways, what i 've learned dealing with my mom is that uh when you express your your deep feelings to somebody, when you express um, sadness or or uh whatever you know you you're expressing your opinion of what's happening in the relationship and you you're being respectful and you're being vulnerable, and that person responds with like with unwarranted anger. Or shittiness, general shittiness. Um, I mean, it's normal, I think, to be a little defensive because no one wants to hear that they suck, but there's also a level of like, put it this way. If I had a a BFF, if my BFF, I do have a a couple, was like, hey, I just, I feel like, um, you know, our point of views are separate. Um, I don't think we understand each other very well. Uh, You're very combative to my to my criticism, you're unapologetic about stuff. And I just, I, you know, I'm not in, I'm not into it. I don't know if I would respond with anger. <laughs> I think I'd be sad, right? I think um because in all the times where someone in my life has been like, I just feel like you're not, you know, this and this and that, and they express something sad to me and they're like upset. Anger's usually not my go-to. <laughs> Uh, right. And I think that's, uh, I think that's more healthy. And I, you know, I just think that, yeah, there's a time and a season for friendships and relationships and such. And then, yeah, you kind of move into different places. And is there a right time to end a friendship? No. Is there a right time to break up with somebody? No. Uh, and oftentimes the people you should be breaking up with, you really should be breaking up with will manipulate you with the said bad time argument, right? This is such a bad time. Please don't leave. Me. I'll kill myself if you leave. Or um, now, I mean, during finals week, or the, it's, like, blah, 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 blah. it's like, well, is there ever an opportune time um, to leave somebody to break up? I don't think so. And usually those folks that will manipulate you or respond with irrational anger are they're always going to respond that way. So there is no good time to, to leave the uh, things with that person. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I think we've all had friendships that were good for an era and then you just kind of go, Oh, that was, that was good. I'm done. We're good. And then you, you just kind of move on and there's nothing bad about it. Right. There's nothing bad. Um, yeah, just let it go. I, you know, I, I also don't think getting into long, drawn out ugh, letters and battles with people is really worth a shit. Don't fucking don't do letter writing and ugh, just talk to that person um, either face to face. Too chicken shit to do that. I think a phone call is sufficient, right? I think phone calls are perfect level of confrontation. Perfect level of like, I'm not feeling it. Uh, cause a letter, it's like, that tends to make people more defensive and I don't know, does it? Fuck. I don't know. It's just so hard to kind of convey your emotion in, in, in the written word. So yeah, I'm sorry. It fucking blows. Um, it's terrible, but if you feel like it's not working for you, it's not working for you. And you know, there are just rare friends that you will be able to hold on to. Um, spanning a lifetime. Very rare. Uh, Those are few and far between, my love. So be thankful for the ones you have held on to if you have for a long time. And then, you know, on next, it's okay. Ain't no thing but a chicken wing on a string from Burger King, right? Did I just fucking say that? I'm a thousand years old. Okay, this one. This one broke my heart. This little sweet lamb. Oh, this guy really. This guy writes... Um, let me see if I, I'm allowed to say his first name. Yeah, Andrew. Okay. Andrew, he writes a big fan. I'm 33 years old. Male from Mon- Montreal from two immigrant parents. Italian and South America. Funny slash sad story. <laughs> yeah, of course. I have crippling social anxiety and battles of depression here and there. And I believe a lot of it comes from my... Inner child slash mother never showing me love in any way, shape, or form. And after seeing a therapist, he suggested I write my mother a letter explaining my pain throughout the years, which I did. And she pretty much answered that she will take me off her will, LOL. <laughs> okay. Um, so I've read your letter here and I don't. I'm not. I don't want to read... I don't want to read this um, out loud because I feel it, you know, it's long and it's very personal and whatever. But I'll tell you what, Andrew. I'll tell you what. Um, I recently went through a box of my mother's belongings I had here in the house because I believe in cleaning shit out. I don't believe in holding on to stuff you don't need. And I found a series of letters that I had written to my mother over the course of, oh, a lifetime. I was apologizing to my mother and conveying my feelings to my mother from the time I could write. Um, Starting from, like, I think the time I went to sleepaway camp when I was 10 or 11. I'm sorry, Mom, for whatever I did. I'm sorry, Mom. And going up until, I would say, uh, 25 years old, I was still apologizing for something. I was still... I was still in that thing of maybe if I convey my feelings to this person, they're going to have a come to Jesus and we're going to work things out. Things are going to be better. It's something I'm not, I'm not a good enough daughter here. Something's wrong with me here, you know, because surely my mother cannot be a flawed human being. Uh, no way. Parents are perfect, right? They're omnipotent. They're omniscient. They're, they're everything. And I, 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 I've got to fix this. You know, it's my job to fix this as, as the child. Um, Here's what I will do. I'm going to read the response your mother gave you. So after... <laughs> so fucking amazing, Andrew. I, I literally have written the same letter to my mother about 500 fucking times before she died. Okay. You're so sweet, too, by the way. You're, the letter's very sweet. Um, Here, I'll just read you a little bit, which is... It's just a darling. He says, dear mama, which is so sweet, too. I know I wasn't an easy kid growing up. <laughs> but there is a saying... A kid that needs love will ask for love in the most unloving ways. I'm very grateful that I never missed a meal. And I always had the necessities a kid needs growing up when it came to things money can buy. But one thing that I missed growing up was feeling loved and accepted and appreciated. Something that costs you absolutely nothing financially. I pretty much grew up in my room. Oh, okay. I can't can't read it, Andrew. I'm crying because I could have very well written the same letter to my mom. So... Uh, so let me read you the response. You guys get the gist, right, of some kind of letter like that. Imagine you as a mother, if anyone's listening, that is a mother, and uh, and you get a letter like that from your boy. Oh, my God, I'm crying right now. I can't even handle it. It's heartbreaking, Andrew. It's heartbreaking, especially as a mother, okay? You you don't want to get just the thought that you've made your kid. Well, we'll get into it. Okay, Here's here's, here's your mom's reply. This is amazing. This is fucking fantastic. She writes... You are absolutely right. I care more about the material, and I have expected, expended most of my life giving you things to help with your financial needs. But as of today, I promise never to insult you again with any material or financial help. In fact, I'll remove your name from any of my assets so that you would never have to receive anything from me. I'll give you only love, since that's the only thing missing in your life. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> Okay, Andrew, I'm going to tell you something, and, and it's not, it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to tell you something that's going to hopefully help you out here. Your therapist is right, and, and, um, and you expressing your feelings to your mom, I think that's a wonderful inclination. I think it's very therapeutic to get the stuff out of you. It's important to grieve what you never had uh, growing up. I think it's so important, and, and it's great. But I'll tell you one thing, just so you know, Uh, as a mom, if my son wrote me this letter, I would be fucking beside myself with grief and sadness that I had failed him emotionally. And my first inclination would not be to cut him out of the well. (laughs) And I hope you see how really sad, I'm sorry, because that's a really sad and messed up thing um, to hear your mom say to you, cause it's wrong. It's not the appropriate response. It's not, it's not a, um, maternal response, put it that way. Oh, and by the way, I've received many, uh, things like that threats and, and, and yes, in fact, she did cut me out of a lot of uh, stuff when she died, but <laughs> I never expected any of it. So, but, uh, it's not normal. It's not good. Uh, but what is normal? Okay, well, normal is a, a mother loving her child unconditionally. Um, no matter what. It's not contingent, <clears throat> excuse me, on how they behave or what they fucking say to you. Or if they were good enough or whatever. You love your kid no matter what. You love them fiercely. And as a mom, if you got a letter like this, it would tear you to shreds that you uh, cause your kid any kind of pain or sadness like this. That's the loving maternal mom. That's the mother you probably didn't have, is what I'm saying. Growing up, um, and I don't know that you ever will, my love. I don't know what her deal is. I don't know what what her. Um, you know what I'm saying? I, I can't diagnose her. I don't fuck it. That's not even the business here of 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 what I can tell you. But as someone that grew up with a fucked up mom, I will tell you this: that. Uh, you trying to uh, and I don't know the purpose of your letter I don't know your intent I don't and I'm not saying it was to change your mind it probably was more to express yourself which I think is fantastic but uh, you know you may never get the mommy you wanted and it may never happen Uh, it's probably not going to happen boo boo in this lifetime with her I don't know I don't know, but, uh, I just know that you got to take care of yourself and, uh, I don't know, man, it's so fucking complicated and I'm really happy that you're dealing with your social anxiety and your depression and you're seeing a therapist because that's really all you can do. That's all you can do, my love, Andrew, is, uh, is deal with your end of it. Because you can't control her and you can't control what wackiness is going to come out of her mouth. And you can't feel bad. Like, don't take it personally is what I'm trying to tell you to. It's not you. You weren't a bad kid. You weren't an unlovable kid. There's no such thing as an unlovable kid. There's just such a thing as such damaged parents who don't know how to love them. And, uh, you know, it sounds like that. maybe that's a little bit going on here. She might be too whacked out. Too damaged, too traumatized, who, whatever, to truly see you and your needs. And she took your heartfelt letter as a slight, <laughs> which I love. It's about her. That's my favorite part about these letters: is that it somehow became a slight against her, as opposed to you expressing your deepest, uh, deepest, saddest feelings of childhood. And look, I anticipate getting a letter from my kid being like, hey, you failed me here, 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 here. And I'll be like, yeah, I, you know, I really am sorry. That's like the least of my intentions. I'd I'd love to talk about it with you. That, that would be the response that I would give to my child, just so you know. (sighs) But in the meantime, Andrew, I'm proud of you. And, uh, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're not, you're not going to get the mommy that you wanted. I'm really sorry. And it's a big loss, my man. It is a big loss. Believe me. It's very disappointing um, to grow up this way, but I'm happy that you're correcting it and you're going to see a shrink. So when you have kids, you're not going to fuck them up the same way you got screwed. And if anything, if anything, this podcast is to get people to get into therapy that have grown up the same way you have, uh, so that they don't make the same mistakes and, and continue this generational, you know, trauma because having immigrant parents, especially from countries where things weren't ideal, um, kind of lends itself to these traumas, right? Like you're, you're kind of absorbing the trauma of whatever fucked up thing they came from and then now you've got to sort it all out before you give it to your kid you don't want to do that right think about your future children andrew you don't want them fucking writing into a comedian on a podcast right right (laughs) anyways uh best of luck to you stay with therapy stay with fucking your feelings grieve it's sad It's very sad and it's okay to be sad. And, uh, you know what? The feelings are just feelings, dude. They fucking suck, but don't be a pussy and go drinking or ruining your life. You know what I'm saying? That's how people get into trouble, right? Oh, my mommy doesn't love me. Well, I'm going to go and get her back. How am I going to do that? I'm going to drink. I'm going to gamble. I'm going to spend all my money. That doesn't get her back, boo-boo. It just ruins your life. Okay. So take care of you, and I'm I'm happy that you're doing that. And again, I'm so, so sorry because, fuck, nothing worse than a crazy mama. Woo, but you're going to be creative. <laughs> Are you creative? <laughs> you might be really funny. Okay. Um. Let's do this one. This poor girl is so tortured. I feel like if I don't get back to her, she's going to lose her mind. She wrote in four days ago. Okay, she's... Let's just call her an English fan. Oh, oh, maybe she lives in a castle. Maybe she lives in a castle. Oh. She writes, hello, mummy. Mummy. Hello from England. She's very sweet. She writes nice things to me. She goes, I've just spectacularly fallen from being so happy and so mutually crazy in love with a new guy to being on the floor crying when it all crashed down. He cheated. The physical activity was once, but there was all kinds of inappropriate texts and even video sex too. The person who he was doing it with was his recent ex. Oh, jeez, They split at the time when I met him. They'd been living together with a young child. After she left, she realized she was pregnant during his, quote, honeymoon stage with me. He obviously didn't tell me about this. They decided not to go through with the pregnancy. Obviously, this was very hard, and she had to get professional help. Poor girl. He had to support her through this awful time. All the while, he was happy as Larry with me. That's cute. That's like an English thing they say that. He was happy as Larry. He told me he loved me. We were soppy. We had fun, companionship, deep connection, openness like I'd never known, and just a fantastic time. But he was also flirting with her, messaging her compliments, sexting, and one, quote, slip up where they actually had sex. Okay. So she writes, I spoke to the ex and we were both devastated to hear all the truths. His defense that he was doing it to comfort her after her abortion. He felt guilty that she needed comfort and attention and a pick me up. Oh, trust me. I know that sounds ridiculous. He says himself that it is ridiculous. It's twisted. All he did All he did is damage and confuse her further and think there was hope of reconciliation. Not to mention the damage that's been done to me. Anyway, I've gone from deeply in love to missing our relationship and feeling extremely down, obviously. I had three days of wailing in bed and now I finally left my bedroom and gone back to work. He is begging me to get back together. He says he will fully commit. Everything will be out. His phone will be open and he will make it up to me. He has apologized to his ex. I have apologized to her. She and I spoke with dignity and get on well. She still loves him, but he has made it very clear to her now that he doesn't want her back. And she says the same after all this. They've agreed to co-parent to the best of their ability with no more sexual contact. He treated her very badly. Uh, She has almost kind of given her blessing to him and i trying, although she says I'd be stupid to take him back. He told her that I've shown him what mutual love is and that, okay, listen, I shouldn't try, right? She writes, he shouldn't get a second chance, question mark. He disrespected me and her too much. He lied, cheated, was reckless, stupid, and destructive. I shouldn't put my heart in his hands again, right? I would never trust him again, right? I'll probably never trust anyone. What do you think? If you need more information, let me know. <laughs> I'm 32. I don't want children and um, and he already has children. Okay. I mean you uh, okay. I mean you know the answer. You know what the fuck? you know. You're asking me permission to not date this guy. I shouldn't try, right? He shouldn't get a second chance, question mark. Because <laughs> I think the wish is the wishes that Hey, this guy's really learned his lesson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yes. Okay, so he did get his ex pregnant. Okay, right. Okay. And she did have an abortion. Yeah, yeah. And then the right, he had sex for after the abortion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have a kid already. Okay, well, b- yeah, but he's, he's not a bad guy, right? Because he learned his lesson and he's going to straighten up and he's going to fly right in. it's going to be totally different with me from now on. <laughs> Sucker, don't you dare, English fan. Don't you dare take this piece of shit guy back. I will fucking fly to England myself and I will choke both of you out if you fucking take this guy back. And I know you're bummed out because you just broke up. Breakups suck so bad. And you're probably gonna take it back. There's nothing I can say that's gonna, you know. Uh, Your car, you're going to try. Here's the thing. You can try. Okay. So let's say you try. You're going to be so distrustful of this person. You're going to be looking through his phone. You're going to be worried every time he leaves the house, you're going to be convinced that he's not in love with you. So is it even really worth it to be with someone that's cheated on you and betrayed you? It's like, no, I mean, unless there's, excuse me, other situations, obviously they're different, but, but this one, this particular one sounds like fucking shit, man. And, uh, I don't know how he is. You're 32. I'm assuming he's close to your age. In which case, uh, what? <laughs> he's really immature unless he's in his twenties. It sounds like some behavior of a 20 year old, which would make sense, but Listen, the guy's a fucking shitbag. And here's one thing I've heard the saying that really makes sense to me is that past behavior is a good indicator of future behavior, right? So whenever you're looking at a partner or a business partner or whatever whatever success rates in somebody's career, past past results, past uh, behavior generally dictate the future behavior, okay? Unless some guys, unless there's mental illness or... An accident or something, someone bonks their head, they're going to be consistently who they are uh, behaviorally, unless, like I said, some big major change. Generally, it doesn't really happen that way. But, anyways, uh, you do what you want to do. I, I know you're going to do whatever it is you want to do, but please don't let sadness and longing for companionship dictate this decision of getting together with a total, total, complete piece of shit. Cause believe me, no matter how he comes to you and he, I'm so sorry. And I've learned. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Well then give it a year, give him a year off or whatever time uh, to prove to you that he's a human being, but I don't fucking think so. And, uh, as far as I know on your little Island, there's lots of other people to fuck and to date. Like so many other people, so many other guys, so many other guys. And they're pretty cute. And, uh, They won't do this shit to you. There's so many other people. And if this guy's your soulmate, uh, you better fucking reevaluate what you think a soulmate is. It's not somebody that cheats on you and gets chicks pregnant. It's just not dude. And I would invite you, my love, my English fan to just take a look at yourself and go, why am I attracted to this POS? Because when your pickers off, right, we're talking about the picker in the beginning, Right. Your frequencies. If you know what you want, you want a good guy, let's say, then why on earth would you pick a cheating boyfriend? I'm telling you, it's okay, for instance, if this fucking guy came on my radar, dude, I can smell these shitbags a mile away. I can smell these guys, man. These cheaters, these fucking bullshit artists. You know what a bullshit artist does? I'll tell you. It's the guy you meet at the bar, especially when you're younger. And the guy's totally as you English say, chatting you up. And he's like complimenting a girl. I've never met anybody like girl. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Right. You're so pretty girl. You're so this and that. Like they know all the shit to say to you. And it's so gross. And some chicks fall for it. That guy, the guy that is like they, uh, the whirlwind romance in the beginning. Why do you ever have those guys that like everything happens really fast with them? Man, they just are so in love with you right away, and wow, we're so connected. You're like, Wait, we've only been dating for a week. That's a really big red flag. <laughs> run, run from that guy that's like, I want to marry you, and it's only been like a day. That's fucking weird. So, yeah, your picker's off, dude. Why Why are you like this douchebag? Why are you so hung up on getting this fucking creep salad back into your world? You sound like a nice girl, you sound like a smart girl, and you deserve way better. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There's so many other people. Just go fuck somebody who's not going to cheat on you. There's so many other people to fuck. Anyways, I hope that, um, I hope you find somebody better, <coughs> my English fan. And you're 32, like you're still young. You're not fucking, this is, you know what I mean? Don't worry about finding another guy. You're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna. And find a good one. There's so many good ones out there. There are, there are so many good dudes out there, but where are they? Well, they're not in the pub. Okay. I don't don't know if they're on Tinder or whatever it is you guys are on. Bumble. I don't know, but they're out there. Go find a good one and go fuck him. Give him your heart, not the douchebag that's already crushed it. Cause he's going to do it again. Okay. Anyways, I love you and I will date you. I'm just kidding. I can't date you, silly. I'm married. Anyways, write to me. That's deepropodcast at gmail.com. I got to wrap it up. I've been sitting here. I haven't even told you this. I put on these Pilates pants that I bought early in my pregnancy, and they're so small now and tight that I've had to roll them down to my knees. And I'm sitting here in my underwear with my stretchy Pilates pants at my knees. I've been doing this entire time, I've been talking to you pantless, just so you know. Okay. So enjoy that until next week. That's been deep bro. And uh, have a good week, bros. Take care of yourselves. Love yourselves. You're intrinsically valuable. You're a fantastic uh, being of light and of God and whatever. If you believe in that shit, uh, you're worth it. You're worth all of it. And you can have the stuff you want because you deserve it. Okay. Uh, Until next week. That's been deep bro. Fuck. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with. Philosophize with.